122. Psalm 122. So whatever it looks like for you to turn there or click there, but uh, I'll also have the verses up um, on the screen. But the last couple weeks, we have been talking about prayer. Uh, Our church, every um, January, we take 21 days at the beginning, just have a focused season of fasting and prayer, just to dedicate what's ahead to him and get ourselves focused on the reality of who we are in him and asking God, what do you have us as we go into this next year? And so we've been talking about prayer. How do we pray? Not in the common consumeristic ways that many approach God, but wanting to pray the way the scriptures invite us to pray. We're looking to pray, as scripture says, in the uncommon way. And so we've been looking at, excuse me, praying up. Just praying and focusing on the reality of the Lord God and who he is. Being enamored with him. We talked about focusing our perspective on him, renewing our loyalty in him, and renewing our hope in him. Last week, we talked about praying for ourselves. We said pray in, that God is the God who leans in to hear what we have to say, that he leans in wanting to hear what's on your heart. And so in that, we can share with him our our lowest moments, our biggest failures, our worries and concerns, but also our challenges, our dreams, and our heart of worship. God wants to hear what's going on inside of you. Now we want to talk about praying out, looking outward. And I I mentioned this in the weekly email that goes out. We sent out a text this morning that said the same thing. But I actually think that this is probably one of the most important weeks out of all of them. I think that this is one of the most important weeks for us as a church as we move into this next year. That we don't just hold on to the reality of who we are in God and just enjoy the experience of worshiping him, but we be the people he's made us to be to look out and to serve the communities that we're in. And so not simply because of the continued challenge of the pandemic, but because of what it means to follow Jesus, we need to look out. We need to remind ourselves of who we are to be as a church as we move into 2021. And so in that, we're going to be looking at Psalm 122. And this is part of a collection of psalms, specifically Psalm 120 to 134, that's referred to as the Psalms of Songs of Ascent, the Psalms of Ascent. From wherever people would live in the country of Israel, three times a year they would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. It didn't matter where you were, it didn't matter what part, whether you were as far south Uh, or as far north, all the way to the west, doesn't matter what small town you lived in, three different times for Pentecost, for Passover, and for the Festival of Tents, they would travel, they would pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And there's a lot of hills, there's a lot of up and down in Jerusalem, but to go to Jerusalem was to go up to Jerusalem, uh, was to travel up to the holy city. And these were their travel songs, This was the playlist for the road trip. These are the songs that would be on their mind as they would go to the city. And these 15 psalms are about longing to be in worship in Jerusalem. The reminder of what it is, a reminder of that expectation, but also just anticipating being there. They would get them into this excited mood. We're we're going! This is where we're at. We're going to Jerusalem. 
And they would crank these 15 songs up. As we think about praying for others, Psalm 122 gives, is a psalm that is laser-focused on Jerusalem. It is laser, it is focused on the reality of the city of Jerusalem. Um, the image that we have as we think about this is arriving at the gates, the excitement of finally seeing the city. Anytime that I've been fortunate enough to be in Israel with a group of students, uh, we're typically around the country a few days before we get to Jerusalem. And we always travel to Jerusalem, you know, travel around by bus. And as we come south from the northern part, um, you kind of come through this big tunnel. And when you come through this tunnel, the entire old city is right there. And if you've ever experienced it, like myself and some of the guides, you kind of just wait and you kind of don't look at the city because you've seen it. You look at the faces who are seeing it for the first time and it's bigger grins and more giddiness than kids on Christmas morning. The, the awe that comes out when you come through that tunnel and they can see it and people start clapping. I've taught, I know Israeli guides who have said that's one of their favorite moments of what they do is when people see the city for the first time, the joy that comes on their faces. And a lot of times we will take students up to the Mount of Olives and we'll look at this. This is a picture I took from the Mount of Olives. Looking at the old city of Jerusalem. And we'll read Psalm 122. This call to pray for Jerusalem. Wanting them to have that prayer on their hearts. But when we think about praying out this psalm, even though it's about Jerusalem, can be a great liturgy for us as we think about what it means to pray for others. It can guide us to be thinking outside to others and to our city and to beyond. And so we want to look at it to ask God, how do we pray for those who you have connected us with, for the city that you have placed us in, for our country and in the world? And so before we look at the details of it, let's ask that now. Let's pray and ask that God would speak to and challenge our hearts on this. So God, we come before you just knowing that you are present, whether we're sitting here in the building or we're sitting in a living room or at a kitchen table, wherever we're at, God, we know that you are with us. We know that we are one in you, and so that's what unifies us. God, we're so grateful for the fact that you love people like us and you use people like us to do things that really only you can do. And so, God, I pray that you would give us an awareness of your presence. I pray that, God, that you would give us a heart and an awareness for one another. I pray that you would give us a heart and an awareness for this city that you have placed us in. Whether we're only here for a short while or for long term, God, give us a burden for this place. God, I pray that you would speak today, that you would do something amazing, the things that only you can do, that you would work in our hearts that you would light a fire within who we are for you, God. I pray, God, that, Spirit, you would move in this place, wherever we're sitting. In your name we pray, amen. And so this psalm is going to direct us and guide us on how to pray for others. And it starts off with this. Pray out means seeing others with joy and hope. Praying out means seeing others with joy and hope. The psalm starts off, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. These first two verses are, we're here. We made it. And the idea of uh, 
think about the initial plans on going to a trip. The, the, when you say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we went here, if we went and did this, and in all of the planning and all the details and all the travel, and then you finally step into that place and it's like, oh, we're here, and that excitement. That's what these two verses are getting across. We've traveled this whole way. We've walked all the way here. We've seen the skyline at the distance and we were getting really excited. But now we're standing at the gates together. We're here together. I was glad. I was full of joy. I celebrated with others who were with me on this journey. I'm excited about the fact, not just that I'm here, I'm excited that we're here, that we're experiencing this. When I think about what it means to be a church, we are, part, we are on the journey of faith together. Again, you might only be in the city for a short, ter- short term time, short time, you might be for, for a long time. But to be part of a church is to be on the journey together. It isn't just to come in and leave or click in and leave and just to sit and get whatever that thing I might need and want for that moment and then take off. It's to be part of something. It's to journey together. Being part of a faith community is something we should feel with gladness. We should have a sense of gladness about being together, about doing this together. There should be joy when you think of your church. The idea of being part of a faith community should never feel like a weekly chore or a mandatory responsibility. It shouldn't be something that, well, if I don't do this or, well, I gotta. We need to check our hearts then. Being part of something like this, we should find joy in. And I pray that you do. Do not let the challenges that we have experienced and the distance that has come from it steal your joy about being part of the family of God. Do not allow the challenges of this last year to cause you to forget everything from the years before that, the months before that, anything else. Because to be part of the church, it's not perfect. There'll be rough moments. I'm, somebody will do something bad or say something stupid. I'll probably be first in line for those. We will have things that don't go well, but, that doesn't, but that's part of being part of a family. We work through those things. We struggle through those things. We grow in those things. We're on this journey together, and that should excite us that we're not alone. I want to challenge everyone. I want to challenge all of you, whether you're sitting here today or you're sitting at home today. Don't allow the distance to numb your heart. Don't allow this, these challenges to numb your heart to community. In many ways, distance and less time can lessen a sense of connection. It's something that you have to work at. So don't let it do that and do the work. Take, be willing to do what it need, you need to do to find that joy. Don't take the easy escape and exit or brush it off. Do the work to be connected, invested, and find the joy in the Lord again within a group of people. 
We need to find joy with one another. And so within that, I challenge you to be intentional. I challenge you to be intentional. This week, God, who can I text today? Who should I call this week? Who would just, who have I not seen or who have I don't, I don't know how they're doing or who is somebody I could reach out to and pray? And, and this is how that, this works. The name that pops in your head, that's who you're supposed to call. Oh, but no, I don't want to, they won't want to hear. Whatever name pops in, call that person. Whatever name pops in, text that person or message them, or whatever means of the 38,000 means of communication we have, connect with that person. Pray, God, who can I encourage this week? You know, that's one of the most simple prayers that as a church family, we should be praying. God, who can I encourage this week? Because you know what happens if we don't pray that prayer? We're only gonna assume that everybody should be feeding into us And we're not going to realize that we're also here to be pouring into others. We we are all tasked with the responsibility of caring for this place. Yes, as the pastor, I have a huge responsibility within that. Our leadership team has a huge responsibility within that. Our group leaders have a huge responsibility within that. But it's not on all of us. And that's something that needs to be said. Again, not to brush any responsibility or minimize anything that we have, but this is a collective effort. This is your church family. And so how can you care about this place? And so just that simple prayer. God, who can I encourage this week? Who do I need to thank? Who do I just need to say, hey, thinking about you? Pray, Pray about that. Who can I encourage? And you know what? Two really quick added things to that. One is, if you miss being at church, come to church. We have things open. Now, if you are uncomfortable with that, if that isn't where you're at right now, then don't feel guilty about that and that is fine. But if you really miss church, and you're okay going to the store, you're okay going to other places. If, I mean, they're just opening up um, feed, uh, restaurant dining and things like that as the restrictions lessen. If you feel comfortable doing those things and you miss church, come to church. We're able to increase the attendance numbers a little bit. And, and no, if you haven't been here yet, Gabby and Andres, our resident doctors, will not let us do anything stupid. We have all of the protocols down to the extent of even having humidifiers putting, cleaning the air and they have everything. I don't know, they're they're the doctors. I did Bible school. I don't know what they're doing, but they're, they're making it safe and awesome. And so if you have questions about it, please reach out. But if you need to come in, even if it's just one week to come in and just be here, then do that. If that's what your soul needs right now, then take care of your spiritual life and come in here on one Sunday and be here. The other thing I want to challenge you to really quick is that this Friday night, we're going to have a Friday night hangout. And so 7.30 to 8.30, not, okay, after I just did the whole thing about that, this is going to be online. 
and it's not going to be on Zoom. I can hear everybody online. I can hear you through the things, cheering and clapping about all of that. Uh, we have another format that uh, different people in the church have used. I don't totally remember the name of it. It's flew my mind. But it's really fun. It's really cool. And so we're going to set this up. We're going to email the information out. We'll put it on the Facebook page. Be looking for that. But just a re- come in and drop in. It's just really want to have a time where people can come in and see one another and talk and hang out in a fun way. And so even if you can only come for like 10 or 15 minutes, come and see somebody. And so 7.30 to 8.30, we're just going to hang out this Friday um, and just be able to talk with one another and see people you haven't seen in a while. And I challenge you to do that. This challenging season is not over. And so we have to intentionally think outward, but we have to do it with joy. Be creative about it. Be excited about it. You just may be the kind word that somebody needs this week. This last week, um, I, just had, I was really discouraged about something that had happened and just kind of really processing that. And out of the blue, got an email from somebody from church. And they were kind of just sharing different things that they were going through and asking me to pray for that. And they just said, I am so glad that I found this place and just so grateful for our community because it's just been the thing that I've really needed. And it was like, that is what I needed to hear this week. The word that you can say to somebody might be the thing they need to hear this week. Do not rob God of him using you. Do not rob God from what he wants to do from you. And God wants to use us even with the idea of speaking into somebody's life. So text somebody, call somebody, encourage someone, pray about it, and God will tell you who those people are. Once we have a proper attitude toward people, we need to pray for others. And that's what the next section shows. It tells us to pray for those that you journey with. Pray for those who you journey with. How do we pray for one another? How do, we pr- how do you pray for your community? How can we pray for one another as a church? Well, like this next part of the, the text gives three descriptions of Jerusalem that can give us guidance for how to pray for one another. The first way that we can pray for one another is to pray that people find connections and safety within community. Pray that people find connections and safety within community. Verse 3 says, Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. Now, this is not what Jerusalem would have looked like back in the time of when the psalm was written, but it gives us an idea of what the psalmist is talking about. This is a picture of the old city of Jerusalem. And the buildings and the homes are right up on top of each other. There is this, the gangways that we see in some neighborhoods in Chicago, I know like where my mother-in-law and Bridgeport are, it's like really, really tiny. Not even any of that. Everything is just jammed together. Here's another picture from a different angle. And so this is, again, this isn't like during the time of the Psalms, but we kind of get the idea. Everyone is crammed here within this stuff. It's purposely built this way. They're all in and it's in tight. But even the walls of Jerusalem, look at the walls and how the stones fit together. Different sizes, even different shapes, but they come together to create these protective walls which surround the city. And that's what these images communicate. Closeness and protection. There is encouragement and commonality and help 
in community. Community is where people can go in times of trouble to find help and security. Sure, you can get those things in other groups. You can get those things from other communities, other places, but I'm talking about our spiritual lives. And you cannot find what your spiritual life needs in any other type of group. You cannot get from another group the things that God designed the church for. There are things that God made the church for that the church are supposed to do and you can't get that from an athletic club or a game club or a hobby club or whatever that type of thing is. Those things are all awesome and we can find great connection and fun and meaningful encouragement and help. But for your spiritual life, the church is supposed to do the things God made the church for. And we need to be part of the church to find those things. We need one another in our relationships with Jesus. And that's why it's a two-way street. The church, we have services, we have different circle groups, we have times of prayer, we have service opportunities, we do different events, we do all of these things. But people need to participate in those things. People need to be proactive in those things. You need to be open and talk when you're in those things. You need to take ownership of your church. If we're going to be different from the culture, then we can't be consumers when we're here. We have to be thinking, how do I make this place the way God wants this place to be? And we're all responsible for that. We need to remember that you won't be super, super tight and best friends with every single person in the church. But you will have a closeness and you will be known by some if you enter into those places. And the one thing, man, for me, the one thing from this last, these first two weeks of the prayer and fasting, the thing I've been reminded of more than anything is that openness is a direct path to growth. We cannot grow if we're not talking. We cannot grow if we're not sharing with one another. We cannot grow if we're telling people what's actually going on and what we're actually thinking and what we're actually experiencing. If all we do is share the surface stuff or the expected Christian thing and we're never really honest about the things that we're struggling with or challenged with or uncertain with or struggle, whatever it might be, then we're not going to really grow. I had conversations with even a couple of my friends who are the pastors and just four of us just like kind of like, one of them said, okay, how are you guys doing? But I don't want like the, the edited answer. How are we really doing? And we had this hour conversation that was the most refreshing thing for my heart that I've experienced in months. Just to be able to say, here's how I'm really doing and not to have to edit and to know people were gonna receive that. You're in a church that will receive whatever you bring. Again, we're not perfect. Things will happen and we're trying to do everything we can to get better. But I know that this place is a place full of people that care about others and long to help and be with one another and to serve one another. And so within that, people want to care. But you can't expect anyone to care if they don't know how. I, I, I've said it a couple times over the last year, my grandfather's line with all of us when we were growing up. I flunked mind reading, you gotta tell me what's going on. As a church, we wanna care, but we all flunked mind reading. None of us know until you say something. And so there is growth in openness. And so pray, 
Pray for this church that people find the connections that they need to make, that they can be open with people so that they can grow in Christ and find safety within the community that he has placed us in. That is something specific that we can be praying for. God, pray that people find connections here that they can grow within and find safety and refuge in because of how you work for other pe- work through people. We can also pray that people find the Lord in community. Verse four, that, that, that is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. And you know, as I said in the, Uh, Earlier, our connection to Jesus is what makes us unique, what makes us not just another club or another place. Galatians says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He's not saying these categories don't exist. He's not saying pretend that they're not real. What he's saying is they all become secondary or lower. What he's saying is that our primary identifier, our primary concern is who we are in Christ. And in today's culture, the way that our culture works is that people want to group based on different categories. We will categorize one another based on are you conservative, are you liberal, are you Republican, are you Democrat, and the church can't do that. To do that is to go along with the culture and it's not how the people who follow Jesus should be. If we cannot be around people because of their political ideas or concerns or that they're different from us, then we have made that thing an idol and we have taken our eyes on Jesus and we are not seeing people the way that God sees them. And forgive us as a church if we ever do that. The moment we can't We take our eyes off of Jesus and then see people through cultural things is the time we've made Jesus secondary and other things first. Jesus must be our unifier and our identifier because that's what a Christian is. A Christian is, I follow Jesus and I'm one with Jesus and you're one with Jesus and he's guiding us, let's go and follow him. And along the ways, we're going to come down on some of these different issues in different ways, and that's okay. And we see a lot of people in the church today saying that that's not the truth. And let me just say this really strongly. That's wrong. That's not biblical. And we're not going to be a church like that. We're going to be a church that says Jesus first, everything else second that we allow the messiness and allow the tension and allow the differences and allow all of that as we pursue him together. And so we, people find Jesus here. People need to find Jesus in this place. And people need to be reminded who Jesus isn't in this place so they can find Jesus in this place. And so we're going to keep doing that as a church. We're going to be obsessed with Jesus here. We're going, to call, we're going to call people to Jesus here. We're going to re- remind people what isn't Jesus here. Because we want people to find Jesus in this place and grow in him. And so we need to be praying about that. I pray, God, let people find Jesus in our church. Let people find Jesus in this place. And forgive the church at large in America for getting to the point that we actually have to pray about that because you would think that would be the most obvious thing. God, let people find the Lord here. 
Pray that this would be a place where Jesus is our focus, where he guides us, where he can be found and seen and heard through us here. And the last thing it tells us is pray that people find wisdom and direction within the community. There stand the thrones for judgment, verse 5 says. The thrones of the house of David. The thrones of judgment were located at the city gates. Like the city gates is what we would think of as like the like downtown almost, like the central place where people would gather. And so they were typically, the seats of judgment were, were there. And they were the places of authority where justice happened, where disputes were figured out and conflicts were settled. And within that, we all need, that makes me think of the fact that we all need wisdom. We need to help us guide and figure things out. We have to acknowledge that there will be conflicts, there will be disputes, there will be moments that are rough. There will be moments in our own lives that we just don't know what the next step, there's no conflict, I just don't know what to do next. And within that, we need wisdom. Along with his word, God has given us one another to help us discern life. My, my son was uh, playing video, he's 11 and he was playing a video game the other day and he was stuck in this one part and it's a game I've played before and I go, well, I can help you with that. He's like, no, I want to do it. I go, well, but you're, just let me do it, dad. And I'm like, all right. And so here we are. And so we play a little bit more and he keeps messing up. I'm like, I could, I could show you how to do it. Just let me do it. Okay, okay. Half hour later, can you show me how to do this? <laughs> sure. But the reality is that that's how we all are. I'm just going to do it. I don't want to ask for help. It's a weak thing. It's a bad thing. It's an it's a, it's a inferior thing to ask people for help. You need to know if you have those ideas, those are not from God. That's not God speaking to you when you hear those voices. The voice of the Lord tells us, go get help. Find wisdom. Lean into other people. Allow them to help guide you. Proverbs 12 says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 15 says, people, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. We need to help one another. We need to help us figure life out. We need to help one another figure life out. Paul says something in 1 Corinthians that's really interesting to think about as we pray. There should be no division in the body but that its part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. The church is there to be there for one another, to lean into one another. And so if you're struggling through something, what, when one part suffers, everyone suffers. We want to suffer with you. We want to struggle with this with you. You shouldn't be carrying that alone. You shouldn't be going, I got it. That's not how it works. We need to let people know. And at the same time, we need to make ourselves, put ourselves in a position where others can count on us. And so what does that look like for you? Some of you listening to me right now, you are at a point in your life, something is going on, you've been, trying, you've been holding on to the controller, saying, I can do it, and you haven't asked people for help, and you need to do that. You've been struggling alone for too long. But then others, because of the challenge of everything happening and because of all of this, 
Maybe you've just been really comfortable within the distance and you've separated yourself from other people that you've missed the reality that there's others who need your gifting and your wisdom and your experiences. There are people that need you. There are people that need what you have. They need your strength. They need your ideas. They need your contacts. They need you in their life. And so you might go, man, well, I'm kind of coasting. This is good. I'm comfortable. But you know what? You shouldn't be comfortable because there's people in the body that are suffering and there's people in the body that are celebrating and you're missing all of it in comfortable. And so we need to be lean into community. And maybe as much as God leans in to hear us, we need to lean in to be honest with what we're going through. Or we need to lean in to hear what people are saying and be there for them. Can I challenge you to pray for this church? Pray for those you journey with to find connections and safety, to find the Lord in this place, to find wisdom and direction. This week, as we go into this next week of the fast, let it just not be a week of doing this, but a week that keeps you going into the future, that we pray for those we journey with. And then it closes, going even further out. Pray for the city, the nation, and the world in your journey. Pray for the city, the nation, and the world of your journey. Verse 6 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Up until this point, it's just been about excitement in Jerusalem, which I get. And, but now it's a, a call to pray. Pray specifically for the city. It's a call to pray for the whole city its people, its way of life, all that it makes it what it is. But to pray for Jerusalem as a city is to pray for the whole nation. Jerusalem was central. It is a central point of what Israel is. It would be like us saying, let's pray for D.C., knowing that to pray for that place is to pray for all of us because what happens there impacts all of us. And that's what this Prayer is about, but we don't just pray to pray, but our disposition toward the city that we pray for has to be one of love and care. What did Jesus do when he went and he saw looking down on the city? Luke says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. You don't weep over something that you're not connected to. You don't weep over something that you don't care about. You don't weep over something that you're indifferent or distant from. But Jesus wept for this city. And this these last section gives us a specific call to pray, a specific thing to pray for, a call for peace. What is peace? Well, normally we think no conflict, no war, no chaos, no days like January 6th. That's part of it, but it actually goes deeper than that. Peace is the shalom of God. Psalm 103 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. To know the peace of God is to be under his rule. Peace is resting under the authority of God, resting in the presence of God, resting under the reign of God. It's to know I am under the Lord. And that's exactly where I need to be. God is in control and that gives me peace. He gives them a prayer for peace to use. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
And here's what that looks like. You pray that she would know rest. You pray that she would know rest. May those who love you be secure, Jerusalem. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. Pray that she would not have chaos. To be secure here is to be at ease. The tension is over. We don't have to be distracted by chaos. We can be at ease and live. What an important thing for us to pray for, for our city and for our country, is that the tension would go out. Not that, I mean, it's, un, it's naive to say that disagreements won't happen. It's naive to say, we'll all get along, that, all that. But even in how we disagree and even in how we're different, to not have the tension, to not have the sense of, no, God, let there be peace. Let there be rest in this city. But then it also is pray that she would know rest. Pray that she would thrive. Pray that she would thrive. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your prosperity. Not just to say I, I want you to thrive, to say I want you to be prosper- prosperous isn't just I want you to be filthy rich. That is only weird concepts of American capitalism reading that that way. To say I want you to thrive, to say I want you to prosper is I want this to be the way it should be. I want things to be good. I want things to be as God has made them. And to pray this, I'll search out a way to make it better. I'll search out a way to make this the way it should be. I'll search out ways to join God in making this the way he wants the city. In fact, God gave Israel in another place that directive. In Jeremiah 29, he said, Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so may our city prosper. May our city thrive. May be the best that she can possibly be. And in all the moments that we look at and all the places that we see where it's like, well, that's not thriving, then the church of God should show up and make it better. The whole idea of praying that it would thrive is not a thoughts and prayers idea from a distance. This is a make. This is a prayer that says, may God let me be part of the answer of how this place gets better. We have seen a lot of society challenges in the last year, whether it's things about racism or political unrest, how the poor are treated, amongst so many different other things. These are all things that Christians should be concerned with because they're part of our city, because they're part of where God has placed us. And we're supposed to seek the good of the city. And these things aren't good. The idea that when a believer speaks out about these things or wants something to be done about them, that they are just, the idea that that's just going along with the culture, that's not a proper understanding of the gospel. To be a gospel person is to lead the change, lead the charge on serving our communities. To be a gospel person is to be be part of bringing God's justice into places that his shalom would be known. We aren't following the culture. We should be the model for the culture. 
And may the church never be distracted by some of these buzzwords that people use to excuse us not caring about what's going on. There are things wrong in our city. There are things wrong in our country. You can say that and you can weep over your city when you are appreciative of it and in love with it. And for Christians to say, no, everything's fine, is to be blind to the gospel and where God has placed us. And that isn't following the culture to say that. That's the church is going to lead the charge and show the culture how it's supposed to be. And let us be the people like that. We need to be praying for this city. That it would thrive, that it would know rest, but also for our country and for all of the world. Marilyn, who comes to our church, she texted me earlier this week and said, you know what, we need to be praying for the poorer countries in our world that maybe won't get the vaccine because a lot of the wealthier ones will. And I said, that is a great thing to pray. That's what this is calling us to do. That we would be, have a prayer life like that, making prayer for the city, our nation, and our world a regular part of our prayer habits. But more than that, asking God how we can enter into the answer of those prayers. Hannah and the team sang a song earlier about make me a vessel, make me, make me whatever you want me to be. There's a really old Christian, really old Christian song by a guy named Keith Green, and he sings this, I'm not going to sing it, make my life a prayer to you. I want to do what you want me to do. No empty words and no white lies, no token prayers and no compromise. What a great prayer to have. God, let me, make me a prayer. Make me an answer to what is going on in our world. Use me, God. If it's possible, let us be part of the answer and not part of the problem. Let us not be a place of thoughts and prayers, but a place of prayer and action. Because that's how God wants the church to be. As we close today, we said we've been praying for 21, we had two weeks of this, now we're in our last week. And if you haven't been able to join us for these first two weeks, that's totally fine. Uh, And, you know, that is what it is. Um, But you can join us for this next week. And I want to call all of you, and I want to invite all of you to be part of the thing I've been praying about. Uh, My my word for this fast has been renewal. This is what I've been praying the whole time. You know, within the difficulty of this pandemic, within the difficulty of just a lot of challenges that our family has gone through the last couple of years. Just all of it, life, you know, life. God, renew my heart toward you. God, renew my heart toward Jeanette. God, renew my heart toward Bailey and Jackson. God, renew my heart toward New Life Lincoln Park, toward Chicago. God, renew me as you Take me wherever you have me within all of this. And I want to ask if you would pray that with me this week. God, renew my heart. Renew my joy within this place. Renew my sense of care for others. Let me get excited about being used by you. God, help me not be numb to what's going on around me. To remind us of the reality of that as we close, we're going to do communion this morning. Um, If you have things at home, um, you can get those and uh, join us here in the sanctuary. 
If you're with us in the sanctuary while our friends at home are doing that, let me just tell you uh, really quick, if you're new with us and this is the first time you've used these things, there's two things at the top. You're going to want to take the clear one off first to get the rather tasty wafer out. Um, and then the silver one is what, how you get to the juice. Um, so just so you know about that. We always take a moment of just quiet before we receive communion to allow our hearts to hear from the Lord and to be in prayer with him, knowing that everyone in our church family is focused and hearing from him at the same time. To, to feed on, as we feed on communion, to feed on his word and, and what Psalm 122 has said to us, that the Spirit's moved in our hearts with. And as we pray this, as we have communion, I want to read from actually Habakkuk, though. Lord, I have heard of your fame, I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God, I've heard of everything that you've done. I've experienced everything that you've done. God, do it again. Do it again. Do it again in me. And do it again in this place. And do it again in this city. Let's, let's bring that to him. So just for a moment, let's be quiet and then we'll receive communion. And so Lord, I pray that you would speak in our hearts. I pray that you would challenge us and direct us in exactly the ways we need to be challenged and directed. I pray you would encourage and you would convict that spirit, you know what needs to happen. And so we come before you. Let's just be quiet before him for a minute. might feel a little awkward but if you're at home I'm going to ask you to stand as well because I want you to know that you might not be standing in this room but you're standing with your church family and we come before him to acknowledge his death on the cross for us him taking our sins upon him and putting his righteousness upon us him rising from the dead and welcoming us into that resurrected life that it's only in him that we have everything that our hearts long for. And we stand together to remember that and acknowledge that and honor that. So God, we come before you as a church family. We come before you loving you, God, and so grateful for all that you've done. We are grateful for the cross. We are grateful for your empty tomb. We are grateful for how you bind us, God, that we are brothers and sisters in the family of God. God, I pray that you would renew our hearts in you with a sense of that family, a hunger for your word, a desire to make you known where you've placed us. 
God, renew this church. And let, let this symbol be a beacon for us of who we are and what we're about. Forgive us for the times we fail within it, God, but renew us. Renew us in you. We do all of this in your name. We remember in your name. Let's receive communion together. We are grateful for the cross. We are grateful for the empty tomb. We're grateful for your love, Jesus, and the life that we have in you. In your name we pray, amen. As we think about praying for others, it's a dangerous thing to pray because you have to, the more you pray for others, the more you're going to have a care and a concern for others. And the more that you get a care and concern for others, then the more you have to care for people. And I pray that we would rise to that challenge we would be used by God. And so in that, let's sing this last song together. You call me out upon the water. Connect with one another and serve those outside of our body. So be intentional and do one of these. Uh, do something. If you have any questions with any of that, if we can help you with any of that, again, just text the number, send an email to the church, Go on the Facebook and get our messages there. However, please reach out so we can walk along you within this. Pray that you have a great rest of the week. And if we don't see you within one of the other things, we'll see you next Sunday.